Welcome to Sharing the Magic, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the enchanting worlds of Disney. Each week, we're joined by a special guest. Whether they're a magician creating moments of astonishment or a Disney expert sharing the secrets behind the magic of the happiest place on earth, together we'll uncover the stories inspirations, and behind-the-scenes tales that bring these worlds to life. So, get ready to be spellbound and transported to a place where dreams come true. Welcome to the latest episode of Sharing the Magic. I'm your host, your ghost host, Barry. Our guest tonight became a voice actor and his dream was to do voices for Disney. In 1993, that dream became a reality as our guest was hired by Walt Disney Imagineering to narrate a new ride for Walt Disney World called the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. He performs the voice of Rod Serling, who acts as the ride's narrator and also the host. We will meet this gentleman in a moment, but first, let's meet our crew. And tonight joining us, we have the mother to all the Disney kids, Lisa. Lisa, how you doing? Hello there. I'm I'm doing great. All the Disney kids. <laughs> yeah. oh, That's yeah. everybody. Everybody. All everybody. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have everyone's favorite Disney dad. Matt, Matt, how's it going? I am doing good. Uh, I'm very excited for tonight's episode. I feel like talking to our guests this time of year is just perfect. So excellent scheduling yeah. on your part there, Barry. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. All right. And last but not least, the official goofy dupe himself, Jeff. Jeff, how's yeah. it going? Good. Uh, Sparks, I, they call me the goofy dupe because I'm a, I'm a cheap copy of Bill Farmer. Oh, gosh, I study his voice. I study his voice. So I'll, we, sometimes I'll, I'll welcome our guests and play my goofy voice. Oh, well. So I don't know. It's Halloween. How would Goofy say Hall- Halloween-y, right? Well, it's Halloween-y. Gorge. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to have you. Nice that you're here. All right. So, Mark, that, that was that, that that was the entertainment for the night. So now it goes downhill from there. So yeah, we can all take a breath. I, yeah. I won't. I won't do that again. <laughs> all right. Well, um, Mark, uh, we thank you for for joining us tonight. So why don't you tell us how uh, you fell in love with Disney and how you got to got to work on one of the greatest attractions? Well, I as a kid in Southern California used to go to Disneyland a lot. And then I got so into Disneyland, I was one of those weirdos who brought a tape recorder into Disneyland in the 70s. And I would start recording the rides and attractions. And I still have like hundreds of cassettes, you know. And I would go home and hear all the tapes and I would practice those voices. I remember practicing the talking skull that Atencio did for pirates. You come seeking adventure and salty old pirates, eh? Well, you ah. come to proper place. We'll keep a wither eye open, mates, and hold on tight. With both hands, if you please. There'll be squalls ahead, and Davy Jones waiting for them. What don't obey? Atencio wasn't even a voice guy. He just somehow... Ah. 
did that. <laughs> but but I would hear these tapes constantly. And one of my favorite other things was that Jay Pat O'Malley dialogue when you go through the caverns and pirates. Perhaps he knows too much. You've seen the cursed treasure. You know where it be hidden. Now proceed at your own risk. These be the last friendly words you hear. You may not survive to pass this way again. I thought that was like the scariest dialogue. I took that out for a while, but it's now back in, and I, I love it. I would just listen to these tapes constantly. Adventure yeah. Through Inner Space. My favorite line in that was, And there is the nucleus. They vibrate in such an orderly pattern because this is water frozen into a solid state of matter. I love that. Bravo. I love the submarine, <laughs> the submarine yeah. ride. Um, my favorite line in that was, these crumbling heaps of stone betray the hand of man. I don't even know what that meant, but I it sounded so neat. <laughs> and of course, all the Jack Wagner stuff, there was like a whole rhythm to it. Someday the people mover may be carrying you through stores and shopping malls in your own community. And people <laughs> thought I was crazy. Like, why do you listen to all that stuff? Who do you think you are? What are you going to do? And then I became a voice actor. And this audition came up to do a Rod Serling voice for a Twilight Zone ride at Walt Disney World. And I didn't, I, I had been to Walt Disney World in 1980. So I, I didn't know about Epcot and the Disney MGM Studios. I knew a little bit about the Disney M Studios, but I couldn't figure out how Twilight Zone figured into a Disney ride, you know. But I went down there to, there was some woman in Beverly Hills, an agent, and she had like a big tape cassette tape recorder. <clears throat> That's the way it was done then. And a microphone. She goes, hi, Mark, read this dialogue. They sent this from Disney. And it was like the opening of the show. And I just read it. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. And I, yeah, I didn't think much of it. But what I do know about sound-alike jobs, they don't want you to sound like you're doing an impression. Mm -hmm. They don't want you coming in there and going, you wouldn't like this door with the key. Of a... They want you to sound like it's flowing right out of you like that, you know. So yeah. it's so competitive, this crazy business, that I did that job 30 years ago. I did that, that audition, and I never thought twice about it. Because I knew I'd, I'd never hear anything. Then two weeks later, I, ca I came home from some job I had, and there was a recording on my answer machine saying, Hi, Mark. They really love that Rod Sterling thing. And I, I had to think, what is she talking? Who is Oh, that thing. And then they go, they want to see you at Imagineering. Being that I was such a Disney nut, I didn't even care about the audition. I said, I get to go into Imagineering? Wow, that's... Yeah. It was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So I get to go into the building. And that was great. And yeah. then they brought me into a big sound studio. And I read the same thing. And then there was this casting woman that really cared and really understood what a big deal this was to me. And she would call me like a few weeks later and say, Mark, they really like you. You're like in the top 20 now. Because I figured they saw a lot of guys, you know. 
And then I went yeah. in for another audition and she would call back and say, you're in the top nine. I think they really like you. And I would sit there with the phone going, my God, I couldn't believe it. And then there was one last audition at Imagineering and I went in there. There was one other guy and I and Joe Dante and all the Imagineers were sitting at a table and I read, um, it was like the William Shatner one. Robert Wilson, 37, husband, father, and salesman, and sick leave. <laughs> Mr. Wilson has just been discharged from his sanitarium, where he spent the last six months recovering from a nervous breakdown. And they told me that day that I got it. It was like that scene in Rocky, where Rocky runs up the stair. I felt like that. I felt that much elation, you know? I mm -hmm. couldn't believe that all of a sudden from recording these rides and being such a Disney fan that I became the voice of a Disney ride. It, it seemed like a Twilight Zone. Didn't, it didn't seem to make yeah. sense, you know? And uh, that was that. And then I went in, I went in to record the ride a few weeks after that. And, I, and that only took about a half an hour. And then I came back and then about three weeks after that, there was, or maybe a few months after, there was a big promo at the studio where they brought in a lot of press to see some kind of a mock-up of the ride. And I had to do separate narration for that. And then after I did that narration, they called back from Imagineering. They said, we think you're better now than when you first recorded it. So come down again and do it again. So I did it again. Yeah, that's what I remember. Because it's all about practicing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's all about those subtle things. I watch Twilight Zone every night on MeTV. I was going to say, you have the greatest Twilight Zone type of, of, of presence. Like, yeah, that's totally in your in your voice lexicon, your range. Because because my luckily my dad talks like me, talks, has a voice like this. So then when I went, <laughs> it was very easy to simply get into that mood and sound like Rod Serling. Month of love. <laughs> And the small cameo of a child's face, imperfect only in its solemnity. Um, <laughs> it just worked. I'm not saying you have to sound like what you do, but it does help. Like, yeah. my first good impression was Maxwell Smart. And would you believe I'm Maxwell Smart in 1986? Yes, you can make him talk like me, but everyone knows that I happen to have a very distinctive, you know. So, <laughs> That is it, it matters to love what you're doing. That I'll say, yeah. because you have, I remember watching Phil Hartman on some interview and they go, how do you do a good impression? He said something so short and so perfect. He goes, well, you got to momentarily be possessed. I think that's true. I think yeah. you have to really find yeah. the voice you're doing fascinating and want to be that person all of a sudden. Yes. And yes. then uh, that's how you do it, you know? Oh my god! This is my new favorite. By the way, everyone, this is my new favorite interview. <laughs> yes. so, I knew so, I knew you were gonna love it. I know Barry. Barry's setting me up. And so here's my here's the question: is is do you think when it comes to voice acting and and I I I I sort of think like you have what I call an anchor voice where you sort of know you sort of know your identity. You sort of know who you are. And then from there, what I say is you build your vocabulary. So it might start out with, you know, goofy going gorge. And that might be what I call an anchor phrase. 
and that at that point it becomes an impression because you're just there's one thing that I when I hear myself uh, do this I sound okay, but then as you go you start building out your vocabulary and and I've heard this before anybody might be able to do Porky Pig but can you do Porky Pig singing the Pledge of Allegiance and that's where it goes from an impression to what I call the voice right. You, sh you should be able to read the back of a soup can yeah. at any voice and make it sound yeah. exactly like that person. Yes. Right. That, that's the whole thing. I mean, I the first job I ever really had revoicing somebody, they brought me into Universal. This is the year before Tower of Terror. And I had to revoice 80 lines for Al Pacino. Oh. I <laughs> Because they were putting Carlito's way on network television. But you can't put a movie that has cussing through the whole movie on regular TV. So I had to say all the lines like him, but substitute the bad words for good for words you could say on TV. Like there was one line where he says to Sean Penn in the movie, he'll say, Dave, you a lawyer, man. What the is happening to you? <laughs> I would go into a studio and I would go, you a lawyer, man. What the heck is happening to you? And they that's how they would do that. Now, yeah. Al Pacino would go in and do this kind of a thing. But the one time they couldn't get him, I went in and filled in for him. So if you ever see Carlito's way on TV and he's not cussing, that's mine. <laughs> but, <laughs> voice matching is very important in voiceover because it's the only audition that is truly 100% legit. Mm -hmm. Because if some director has a movie and they need to voice some guy that maybe passed away or he's not in the country or something. It doesn't, yeah, yeah. they don't care about anything other than the best person getting the job because it's not going to work if the best person, but I'm saying yeah. with, with, with any other kind of voiceover, a lot of other things come into play. Who is your agent? If I work with you, who's your nephew? How I, you know, all this kind of stuff, voice matching 100% how good you are. That's... So that's something to think about. But yeah. I've had other voice matching. Um, I narrated a lot of things for Disney as Friend Owl in Bambi because I do a lot of old man voices. And there was uh, they had an audition for that where he sounds like an old man. <laughs> Bambi, <laughs> my, my. Why, just the other day, we was wondering whatever became of you. Now, look at you, son. Yeah. So I started getting a lot of voice matching stuff, which is really, I think, the best thing to work on. Yeah. But as far as Tower Terror, you know, I went to the grand opening and getting on the ride and hearing my own voice back. I I don't know if wow. I'll ever, as far as voice voiceover, I'll never have a more satisfying, exciting experience than yeah. that. Hearing your own voice blast back on a classic Disney ride, it's like that's a there's nothing better than that. I love it, especially then sometimes before the ride closes, I'll go on all alone, and that's another, another experience. You know, it's one thing to have a bunch of crowded people in the elevator screaming, but then to be completely alone that's another thing. It's it's just yeah. wonderful, and sort of like pause and. Is it was it surreal when you listen and you're like, wow, I'm I'm part of this iconic. It is the definition of surreal. When that when yeah. I got in line for the ride, there was a huge grand opening. 
there was a big like a Broadway kind of a play on stage. And then they gave us food from the Brown Derby. This is 1994 in September. And then the announcement came on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Sunset Boulevard and the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror are now officially open. And I could not believe it. I And the funny thing was I had my tape recorder with me that I recorded all the rides. I had to record my own voice. <laughs> and getting into the queue area was unbelievable. Getting into the lobby of the hotel, I could not believe that I had anything to do with this great attraction. And then getting into the uh, library and hearing my voice it, it, I thought it came out so well that I was very excited about that. But then getting on the ride vehicle and here, it, it just kept getting better and better. I'm yeah. amazed I didn't pass out or something that night. Just from <laughs> But that was some night. And then I took wow. the bus back to the All-Star Sports Resort and was still feeling incredibly excited about the whole thing. <laughs> You're, you're in that world of voice acting. Have you ever been starstruck or have, has there ever been somebody you've worked with that or or maybe even just met that that you you just you sort of got butterflies in your stomach? That happens all the time. Are <laughs> You know, just working with people like Bill Farmer and Corey Burton on. Things. Oh, you worked with Bill. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did a great oh, thing. If you ever hear the uh, the Bambi DVD, yeah. we did these uh bonus features where we're we were reading all the animators comments and things yeah and Corey burton was walt disney and so you could watch the movie with the the sound of these meetings and we would say things like gee you know i've been an animating the the mother uh, of bambi when she's walking shouldn't there sort of be like maybe some music to that and then Walt would say, I think that's a good idea. I think we're going to bring that back and have all. And so you, it was great. There was like 10 of us. And uh, that was very exciting. Then we did the same thing on Lady and the Tramp and Pinocchio. Yeah. And then I got to go in and be the voice that sets the cannons on top of Pirates of the Caribbean off. It, but you got to play in that scavenger hunt game. You got to put this little card by a helmet and all of a sudden the I this Ricardo Montalban voice kind of comes out <laughs> and I yell fuego and the shoot <laughs> off the top of the building. <laughs> that was very exciting. And the last time I was there, this whole speech comes out of this helmet and I had someone film me as I mouthed my dialogue <laughs> that made it very dramatic. And it came out like a, a corny dubbed Hercules movie. Very hammy. <laughs> It's on, it's on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over because I'm hogging I'm totally hogging the conversation. Um, All right. So I I you know went through your website. I was amazed. Some of the voices that you have voiced, I absolutely knew they were you, and then others I was quite surprised. Um, are, is there something recent that you would like to talk about or like to share some something that you've done recently? Yes, I have something, but until I see it, I don't want to say anything because you never know what they're going to do with it. Okay. But it's a, it's a movie, but yeah, I want to, if I saw it first, I would blab all over about it. Well, I am excited about um, going to Walt Disney World next year because it's going to be the 30th anniversary of Tower of Terror. I don't know if they have anything planned, but I want to be there, you know. Right. There's That'd some kind of event. 
there's some kind of event and I will be there for that. And that'll be exciting. But 30, 30 years. What is so incredible to me, when I did Tower of Terror, all of Walt Disney World was only like 24 years old. It just doesn't seem possible. It's weird how that is, because there were there was a Disneyland special in 1980 for the 25th anniversary. And at that point in my life, I felt like Disneyland was around for like 100 years already. And then you find out it's only around for 25. Every It's all crazy how it happens like that. It is. Time has flown. Has there been any one role that you feel like opened the floodgates and, and um, made you a more sought after voice actor? Sure. Well, yes, of course, it would be Tower of Terror because people from all over the world hear it. And I've, you know, I've gotten work just like that. Someone say, we were just on with my family. We'd love you to do this. We'd love... I was on Facebook scrolling around and I got a message from Jordan Peele's casting guy. This was like three years ago because there was a reboot of Twilight Zone and they wanted me to do a few episodes as Rod Serling. So, and they just found me on Facebook. So then a couple of weeks later, I was at Paramount standing next to Jordan Peele on a dubbing stage. And so those, those parts are really great that you can get work that way, you know. And so as far as that goes, that nothing's going to be bigger than Tower of Terror. I mean, it's heard by thousands of people every single day. So, Mark, I got I have two quick Matt. questions. I um, I hear and I'm, I'm going to the first one is just a little, you know, side thing, because uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. But I hear that you are a fan of Cobb salads. And uh, I am too. And I'm wondering if it's because of the same location that happens to be down the street from your world-renowned attraction. Oh, well, you're talking about the Cobb salad at the uh, the Brown Derby. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons I love a Cobb salad. But I really also love the Cobb salad. at, at They used to have that one at Disneyland in the plaza. But the last time I went, it, it was called something else, and it wasn't a Cobb salad. But I love Cobb salads. I just I like blue cheese and the crumb the crumbles of tomato and all that stuff. I do love them. I love the food at Walt Disney World is so incredible. You know, you wouldn't think like these theme parks would be like people don't know how good it is till you get there. I love to go to World Showcase and go to the Japan Pavilion and get udon soup with the udon noodles and tempura and eat that outside by that those little rivers of the bamboo and oh, that's wonderful oh, yeah. then the pizza's great i love eating <laughs> yeah so that's true i do love Cobb salad <laughs> that was just a little sound but i also hear that you have something that you call the disney drawer yes in which you have a, a few uh fun little yeah. items including the original script of tower of terror I do. Is it I is it a right secret? Here. Are there a few things? Were, like, like this is the actual script right here. Ah, okay. See? Cool. That's awesome. That's it. Yeah, I have so many different things in that drawer. Little bits from Pirates of the Caribbean and postcards and a whole bunch of stuff. I forget yeah. what's in there. Then I find it. It's incredible. <laughs> Look, these are Tower of Terror ears that were they sold for like uh, a year and then went away. It was like a special thing. Oh, they're These cool. are really neat. I've heard that you are a, a bit of a, a merch guy when it comes to the Tower of Terror. And you, you, yeah, you, I, I, you share I, a lot on your socials. Yeah, it's it's hard for me not to buy that stuff. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, they had a great notepad they used to sell in the in the gift shop there. I love the T-shirts, all of that stuff. But of, oh, I used to sign the bells at a um, oh. at conventions, and that was great. I'll have to That's get some cool. of those bells next time I go back to Walt Disney World. You just got to go into the gift shop and start signing stuff and leaving it on the shelf for people to find. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I wonder. I wonder how that would go over. If they'd let you do that. Oh, I can imagine my kids would be like, oh my gosh, someone wrote all over this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, no, right. no, that's him, that's him. But yeah, but as far, oh, but you asked the question of meeting people as far as, I was really uh, starstruck at a Disney uh, Christmas party when I got to hang out with Dick Jones, the voice of Pinocchio. That was incredible. Because oh, yeah. that, I think that's wow. Walt's master. When was that? When was that? Uh, like yeah. eight years ago, he oh, passed away a little a couple. Of, he passed away and not long after that. Yeah, that's I I, I knew he. Okay, wow, yeah. that's amazing. Mark, that if you incredible. had the opportunity to vo do voiceover work on any attraction in any Disney park, what one would it be? Well, because I feel like you've been talking about pirates a lot. I feel like that's yeah. like one of your favorites. But is there something where you're like, I would love to do that that voice? <laughs> There, well, I'd love to do it if they had a change of talking skull. I'd love that. I'd love to narrate if they brought the people mover back to uh, Disneyland. Someday the people mover may be carrying you through stores and shopping malls in your own community. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to do that. That would be great. Be the voice of the people mover. But as far as, uh, you know, all the voices are already in pirates. So I wouldn't be able to do anything there. If they ever uh, redid Pinocchio, right? I'd love to be Stromboli. <laughs> nice. Pinocchio, you're very comico. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I just, uh, my voice fits in anywhere. I change to whatever they want, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I always hoped that they would like lose the audio track on Maxwell Smart, and then I would have to fill in for that. But, um, the last movie Walt Disney worked on, The Happiest Millionaire. Oh, this is interesting. Here's a great, a great uh, example of voiceover. As a kid, I'd watch a lot of My Three Sons. Hmm. And I like the way Frederick Murray spoke. He's very breathy, Chip Robbie and Uncle Chuck. It was very breathy. He, sometimes he doesn't even pronounce the syllables. It's breath, like Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie. Chip Robbie and... And I just had this as, a, as in the back of my mind doing this. I never thought it would come in handy. Then in 1997, they called saying, we need a Fred McMurray voice and we're having a big audition. And I knew nobody was going to get it because nobody walked around. Nobody does a Fred McMurray impression, but I did. Yeah. So you never know what voices are going to come in handy someday. Like right. maybe you do a great impression of your third grade teacher. I'm Mr. Andrews. Hello. And whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden they need a man voice. Oh, I'll do my third grade. Yeah. So just you should never just discard anything. I love that. Yeah. I also think I've always heard that sometimes your failed impressions are your new voice. Yeah, I've heard that, too. I But the thing is, if I don't think I'm really good at the impression, I won't. I won't. Keep doing it. But yeah. that's it. That is a very good thing. You know, for instance, I you could you could also do an impression and exaggerate it for something like for Pete Doctor directed me at Disney. Uh, he's the one that directed me in Howl's Moving Castle. And they wanted Christian Bale to turn into a king. 
And all of a sudden, I turned into, it was like a combination of Gregory Peck and Charlton Heston. And I did this kind of a thing, because it had to be a guy pretending to be a king. And yeah. I said, if a guy pretended to be a king, he would try to sound very regal. And, you know, so those yeah. kinds of things work. You can blend your voices, emphasize them, turn them up, tone them down. Right. Yeah, it all becomes like a like a mathematical problem all of a sudden, you know, you yeah. gotta, you know what to take away from things, what to add. Right. Yeah. What, what do you think of, so I know there's tr what they call trick voices. Donald Duck is one of them. And it's, yeah. Donald stinks. And I have friends that do good Donald. It takes them 10, 15 years. I'm in, I'm in year one and I'm like, <laughs> That's hard. Yeah, you gotta somehow know. No, how to it's do hard that. to enunciate. You do your ABCs. My wife hates when I. I'll, I'll just be like, uh, I'll just, I will be in the room or or on the couch, and I'll just be doing ABCs in Donald's voice. It's a trick voice. It's tough. Yeah, it's very so, tough because it's it's not your vocal cords in that. No, way. It, it takes so much precision and skill, and it takes it's about air expenditure and like feeling it in your the pockets of your cheeks, and it's so different. Um, yeah, I, I think I think my question was was going to be, you know, I think there are there's some voices like you. All the voices you do, it it it, it seems as if your voice. You know, there it it was it was finely tuned to to a point at least to where you could grow it and develop it. But it was that you had a baseline sort of. It's not. It wasn't. You're not doing trick voices. This is this is part of. I, I was lucky that my father had a voice like this. Yeah. Because if you, it's very difficult if you don't already have a voice like this. If yeah. like for instance. If I had a very, like, a, if I was like Woody Allen and talk like the, you wouldn't be able right. to make Woody Allen all of a no. sudden talk like this. Right. You have to have some form of a, of a, I mean, you got to like play off of what you got a little. Got what you got. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know? Yeah. It inspires you to want to be like that. Mark, right. you, you mentioned your, you mentioned your, before we started recording, you were talking about your love of, you know, the monster movies and horror movies yeah. and things like that. And you mentioned your dad, and I know your dad, he was like a producer, right? He produced like Kroll and movies like yeah. that from the 80s. Was that what really got you into that genre? Like, did well, you grow it, it up around think that? that show business was part of my life. Because I, I, when I was a teenager, I'd be on sets with Robert Redford and wow. Sidney Poitier, and it was pretty amazing. So, you know, you grow up in that business, you see a lot of actors and performers. So that probably had a lot to do with it. Yeah. And then as I when Crawl was being made, I lived in London for about seven months and I loved those voices. So I get a lot of work doing these old English type of people. And okay. that's very exciting for me. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So all the, everything, you know, everything that uh, you experience somehow becomes part of what you do, I think. Cool. I love awesome. your voice. I love your voice because I feel your 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 voice acting uh, range is, is very broad. Absolutely. But the the specific voices that I feel like you do the most of just I'm just judging from this interview are ones that I I, I think I said earlier, I think I think they are getting rare more rare 
And I, I don't think there are a whole lot of people carrying that torch as much as they should. And, and, and I, I, I have fears as a as a very amateur voice actor, but so as somebody who loves voices and listens, and one of my fears is just that some of these voices, twenty years from now, they'll, they'll be lost. Right. I think that's a decent point you make. It makes sense, right? Because I, I, you know, Peter Renaday is a friend of mine. Do you know who that is? He no. He's, uh-huh. he's the voice of Henry the Bear in the Country Bear Jamboree, and he used to narrate the, the submarine at Walt Disney World. But he's got a very in a very classy type of yeah. voice. And I, I do think that kind of thing is uh going away. It makes me wonder because Peter Renaday and my father are now about 90, and they don't sound like old men. And I'm wondering right. when do you sound like an old man? Right. And I'm wondering if I'm gonna eventually sound like an old man. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I hope it? I do. <laughs> You know, there'd be nothing worse than to be an old man and not sound like an old man. Yeah, you don't want to be an old man and just sound yeah. like you're 30. Yeah. You want to sound like you're, you know, I'm old. But I do I do love those old voices. Yeah, you do. They they were precise and and I think you know, I'm I'm almost 40, so I'm not I'm not old, I'm not young either, but I sometimes I will catch myself quite frequently just talking, running, not not being cognitive of how I'm delivering myself, how I'm talking, you know, and I think that's day to day. So I do it all the time when I'm voice. Why, why, are you going to make a demo and try to get work? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Fun. I do it for fun. Yeah. No, I'm going to. Once I, I just moved into a, a new house, I'm. It, it's time to get serious, but. Yeah. But I, I will I will absolutely say that it's just it's it's uh boy, I just I feel like voice acting contributes so much to your day-to-day life. Yeah, it you sure know, it, it does. It's you it's, know what my, my favorite thing is if I'm calling I, I'm not kidding, and I, I yeah. if I'm calling some place where I know somebody's sitting in a cubicle for 15 hours and finally they answer the phone, whether it's car insurance or whatever. I yeah. say car insurance because it takes them two hours now to answer the phone. <laughs> if yeah. I can say some, if I can say something in an interesting voice or talk like this, oh so yes, my friend, and the person say, will say to me, "Oh, sir, you really made my day with that. That's great." I'll do an impression of a favorite movie of there. That really is incredible. I feel like it's a real gift and it makes me feel really good. So yes, yeah. you could you could use it for things that have nothing to do with them, getting yeah. paid or movies or anything. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and yeah. like for me being a, just a voice match, there are times where a friend of a friend or somebody will just message me, "Hey, I've there's so there's a, a person who's had a birthday. Can you call them as Goofy?" I'm like, "Happy birthday!" <laughs> well, I hope today all your dreams come true. And just doing that for them. You hear them laugh and they're like, it's goofy. And and it is, I have never felt such joy just from hearing people laugh and be and saying the words, it's goofy. And uh I imagine Usually. you felt a lot of that, especially on the ride, when you hear other people hear yeah. your voice and and maybe they giggle or they they 
they puck you know, their ears pucker a little bit and you're like that's me and i brought people that joy i i've experienced several times at different events where i'll I'll do some of the narration of the ride in front of some Tower of Terror fan and they'll cry. And uh-huh. I'm the reason, you know, I'm thinking some the ride's been there 30 years. So some kid when they're with their parents and they're like eight and then they're in high school and then they're with the person they're getting married, like their whole life, that voice is there. And then they when they see the person right in front of them just doing it, yeah. it's it's very dramatic, I think. Yeah. And because I would be the same way, and I am when I hear someone do it. So it completely yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 I love um, you know who I liked too was uh Sebastian Cabot. He was Bagheera. Oh, but oh. sooner or later, Mowgli's going to run in a share Khan. Now go yeah. on, go on. And he was also Deep in the Hundred Acre Woods, Christopher yeah. Robin went searching for Piglet, but he was nowhere to be found. Yeah, all those voices. You do, don't you do it very voice. well. You do him very well. I love Sterling Halloway. He's someone that I, if I had, if I could wave a magic wand and just have like a, a lunch with one any voice actor, I think it would be Sterling because, you know, he had, and I love Jim Cummings. I love Jim Cummings and I appreciate him carrying the torch the way he does but yeah Sterling was just so oh hello <laughs> Hi, oh, yes right yeah it was a grab it's amazing, it's amazing jim cummings does that and tigger i can't believe his yeah what do you think about him like i maybe i'll ask you because i can't figure him out you know you would think he, he could go down low, you know, like he's Pete and then he's Darkwing Duck. And I'm like, I can't think of. He's pretty spectacular. Right? Yeah. What do you, yeah. is he just a freak of nature? Or do yeah, you think- just, it just, <laughs> he's really into it and it works, you know? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But I, Bagheera's voice, oh, he, that was silk, silky. Yeah. Yeah. It was Mr. French on Family Fair. You probably don't watch that. Know that? No, show. but I, now I'm. I gotta go. Nobody I, knows Family Affair. No, but I'll go back and I got. I gotta get educated. This is the stuff I care about. This is the I, stuff I, I, te- I teach classes to kids. Car- just cartooning because I draw also. And I always ask these kids. They're like ten. I say, you guys don't want no Lucy. Leave it to Beaver. I, I, oh, I yeah. know Lucy. I don't leave it's it to always, me. But a kid usually needs an uncle or their parents that kind of make yeah. them watch these old shows. Yep. Otherwise, kids on their own really don't. They're not going to find no. that stuff. No, that's how no. that's how I was with uh, Twilight Zone. So I I never really like watch it on my own as a kid. But they do the um the marathon. It's either yeah. New Year's or Christmas. I think it's New Year's. And I come from a big Italian family, and the uncles would always be in the living room watching the you know, the Twilight Zone marathon while all the kids were in the kitchen and the answer at the, the dining room table. And as we got older, we were allowed to leave the kitchen and go into the living room and watch Twilight Zone. And I love it. Now I'm home and I have I have a six-year-old son and some of them I can't let him watch with me, but there's some where I'm like, yeah, come watch Twilight Zone with me. And he's like, dad, what is this? And, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story. So he he loves Disney World. He's been a bunch of times. When he was four, he was finally the height that he could go on Tower of Terror. And we, he was four, right? So we, we convinced him. I was like, listen, it's going to be scary. This is what it is. Like, do you want to go? And he's like, yes, I want to go. So we go in and we get to the library scene where the TV comes on and and your voice pops up. But, you know, it's, it's and he goes, dad, that's the guy from the show. And I'm like, yeah. 
So we're, we're sitting there, we're listening to it. We get on the ride. Of course, you know, he's all excited. And then, and then we go up and we go out and there's the ghost. And he's like, dad, what's going on? Like, uh, like this is not what I thought we were doing. I'm like, buddy, it's going to get scarier. So we go, we go up and, you know, you go and the door opens and all the, it's like the, it was like, it was like almost written perfectly. It was that terrified scream as we go down. He's clinging to my arm. He's screaming the whole way down. We get off the ride and he's like, like just shocked. Like he doesn't know what to do. We walk outside. I'm like, buddy, how was it? And he goes, that was great. <laughs> that was all he said. I was like, do you want to go again? He's like, nope but that was great. And so now I'm trying to convince him to go back on, but I'm telling you, Mark, the next time I go and I go through that gift shop, I'm going to be checking all the bells for an autograph on it. (laughs) Other great things that are introduced to the show from the ride. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, another point about growing up in twilight zone, some of the episodes I didn't like that much as a kid because they were too adult and too talky. Mm. You get older and you realize those are the best episodes. Yeah. It's like yeah. you, you grow yeah, with the show. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed the um, you know, you mentioned the one Paramount did, the remake, the the two yeah. seasons. I, I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't the same as the original one, but it definitely I felt like it had that heart to it. And well, I didn't know that it was your voice again on there. So that's actually really cool. And now I can, say, yeah, I, can uh, I, I talked to that guy. That was a lot cool. of fun. I love that. Yeah, that was great. Tower of Terror, though, is, it's always, it's, I can't imagine another voice job that excites me more. Yeah. yeah. So, Mark, let me let me ask you, um, you know, you brought up earlier about uh, listening to um, old radio classics. I'm a big fan of those. I love listening to the old radio dramas and mysteries of the um you know 20s 30s and 40s and how um you know every single one had an old man like how you um you do the voice of so i i I think you know looking through the years how, how that's gone away from the radio side to television but i i think my my question for you is looking at the way cartoons are now uh going from like looney tunes to spongebob now and everything in between so was there any uh uh cartoon voices that you like doing growing up and was there any of the um the actual voice actors that really impressed you well of course i loved mel blank yeah but i uh i like fred flintstone hey it's fred flintstone <laughs> hey fred it's funny rubble <laughs> i love that whole genre that whole era I also like the guy, and I don't know who does it, and it was always this voice. Um, oh, like today is your lucky day. You know, I'll come. I will, like, uh, you know, fill you in on how come. That's one of my favorite voices, too. But also, you know, Don Adams was Tennessee Tuxedo, which might be my favorite cartoon of all. You go, he was a penguin. Phineas J. Whoopi or Van Granist. Come on, Shamlai. Tennessee. And whoopee, and well, you know, I love yeah. that. Do, you, do any of you know Tennessee Tuxedo? No, but that yes. makes me think, I yeah. hear so my own, own trained ears, I'm like, ooh, I could hear, you would be a good Bugs but you could probably do a good Bugs Bunny. I've tried to do Bugs Bunny, I'm not great at it, but I, if they had to, you know, there's a few guys that do it now, and they're really pretty good at that, and that's well, a... That's a hard one. But I could do. pick up tones in some of your yeah. other voices. I'm like, yeah, I probably could. If I really practiced, I might be able to do a pretty good Bugs Bunny. Yeah. yeah. But uh, your your Fred Flintstone is solid. Oh my god. 
I, I, but now whenever I teach these classes to kids, I'll draw Fred Flintstone and they don't know who it is. They, all they know is that he's from a cereal. They don't uh, know that he's yeah, from a yeah, show. Pills, which is my favorite cereal, by the way. Is it? So. Yeah, it is. Like, That's facts. <laughs> I but, love cereal, yeah. Barney, my pebbles. I don't know. <laughs> I can't do his voice, but... So, so Mark, do you think, do you think, uh, you know, voice acting for cartoons back uh, in the early days? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it was a lot harder back then than it is now because there's not so many uh, cartoons out there that that have longevity, like like Looney Tunes or the Flintstones or the Jetsons or, you know, you go on, um, even even Super Friends, things like that. But now. A show may last one or two seasons, and then you know the voice actors are on a different show. But then you can realize that oh, I've heard that voice before on a different show or a different uh, series. So, it, do you think it was? I'm assuming it was a hard, harder back back in the day when you know you just came in and and compared to now where it was just mostly recycled voices. Well, those guys were the, I, I mean, Mel Blanc and Dawes Butler were the most talented of any of those guys. Oh, they were on so many of these things. Yeah. And Edwin, of course. So it's like they took somebody that had a certain kind of a voice and gave him a character. And all of a sudden you're doing a dog detective and it sounds like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And that was like the golden age of it, I think. Yeah. 50s, 60s, and the 70s with the Hanna-Barbera stuff. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, it's like monster movies in the 30s and 40s were the best. The Disney movies. I mean, the Pinocchio was still the greatest animated movie ever made in 1940. Yeah. There was a certain thing about that era. Right. And the old, I don't think the old radio shows could even be done today because the, the actors no. don't have as interesting voices as they used to. No. And, and it maybe to springboard off of Barry's question, okay, here's, I got a couple of fears. And, and, and I don't know if this is true, but I would say, I think it's in a lot of ways, it's tougher now uh, in voice acting than it was. And, and the reason, I don't know if this is true. Okay. This is just my opinion. And what I would say is here's why it's harder is because whereas maybe 20, 30 years ago, it was your voice that counted. Now, you know, you're, you're up against Hollywood stars. And, you know, there's there's examples I could give you as far as like, you know, Scooby-Doo. It's like, well, you know, we could give, you know, this person who historically does been, you know, handed the torch for Scooby-Doo. But this person has star power. This person has a name people recognize. So we'll give them the voice. So that's one. That's the first thing that why I think is tougher now is because you're always going to be against. It doesn't matter about your voice. It's it's star power. That's one. Two is, man, with AI and voice stuff. Yeah, I don't know where voice acting is going to go, but it kind of I sure hope it doesn't, you know, oh, let's just type in a right. an algorithm and here's Mickey Mouse. Well, that's part of what we're all on strike for. Yeah, Make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Mark, what do you think? I don't see how they would. I don't get, even if they can get the, the the voice through AI, I don't see how they could get the the character and the momentum and the personality yeah. out of AI. Yeah. Because if it wants like, a, 
an old gangster voice and they got an old guy, a character actor. Right. How are they going to make the guy talk exactly the way they want him to do it? Yeah. Right. It's, it doesn't make sense. I don't see how that would work. It seems like it might work with like narration somehow. Right. But not doing a voice. I mean, they may come up with something and it would be, uh, you know, I, that's what the strike right. is about. I, I really, and, 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 that would be terrible. Yeah. My biggest fear isn't that, it's the fact that they won't care. Maybe they just plug it in and go, here you go. Yeah. Here it is. And it, we just get a bunch of lifeless <laughs> voice acting yeah. from that scares me more than I know. It, Let's hope that doesn't happen. Then you'll get like, I'm Fred Flintstone. Why you there, Maxie boy? <laughs> well, I just hope you. There, there, was, there was a Flintstone episode where aliens made a duplicate of Fred and Barney yeah. so Fred and Barney could go bowling. And yeah. all, but all Fred could say was, yes, yes, yes. And all Barney <laughs> could say was, no, no. So they'd have to say, do you want to have a hamburger now? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, if I get to that. You're freaking me out. I feel like this is what I remember that episode. These are my nightmares. I'll wake up in a cold sweat. Be like, no, no, I can't have it. I can't, you know. So I, I hope, I hope, I hope, Um, you know, part of, part of, you know, man, I just, I just, I, I hope we, we don't lose the, the beauty, the, the organicness. I, that's not a word. Organicness. Of... I know what it meant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it may go back a little bit to that um, lost art of communication, lost art of conversation, though, too, because so much of the, the old um, radio shows and things. Like you had so much inflection, so many props that they used to make the sounds. And I think a lot of that gets lost when you have things read aloud with that monotone voice. You you oh, miss God. you miss a big part of the point. Um right. so many times you miss the pauses, you miss the the sounds, the intonation. And I am not a voice actor at all. So I don't know all the words, but you you miss a lot sensory-wise. You know, you because everything that is said needs to provide the visual, the auditory, the tactile, like all those pieces. And the, also that brings me to one of my questions. Um, when there are guests at, at Walt Disney World, at Disneyland, that have a visual impairment, they there is the availability of the voice over um, voiceover headphones that folks can get. Have you ever participated in any of those ride voiceovers? What is that? Is that they like explain what's going on in the ride? Is that kind of thing? They do. So, you know, if you're on an attraction that's got, you know, moving parts to the right, you know, bright lights, they, they give you the, uh, the verbal version of what you see visually oh, that sounds interesting though i'll try to think i'll try to contact them and see what's going on that might work for them. yeah i just wondered how that you know i've i do know that they offer that for guests with visual impairments it's not taken up very often but i've wondered you know is it is it does it give the same spirit of the ride as it would if they had a voice actor you know presenting it 
Um, well, I, so. I, I, I'd have to hear these and see exactly how they do it. I mean, maybe is it just regular narration or do the characters actually go in there and do it? It isn't. It isn't the characters. I, I believe it's so you can still hear what's going on in the ride, but there's also they, they give the visual portions of the ride. So I remember seeing that, but I, I'd like yeah. to look into that and see. But that should they should make that as entertaining as possible. And tell I know I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm going to look that up, though. That's very interesting to know. It should be done where at least it gives you some sort of a excitement if you can't see i agree i just don't know how it sounds i i just work with um lots of folks with disabilities and i i myself i've only heard a portion of um haunted mansion you know being voiced over so that folks could um, experience the ride you know they feel the movement of the ride they may not see the visual of it so then that is what's Maybe Being it's talking. like the old the old 1969 record of the Haunted Mansion. Mike and Karen went down and saw decaying corpses. <laughs> Do you remember that record? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, it'd be interesting. Records, so I, I I loved old records. So I'm. It's important to paint a image, you know, with your voice. It is. It absolutely is very important to paint that image. Yeah. Has there ever been a role that you've had? What a weird, awkward question to end on, but. I, I, it's burning in my soul. I got to ask it. And it's, has there ever been a role or a voice that you've done that really brought you emotionally to a, to a, 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 a feeling, whatever that feeling was anger, uh, like sadness, uh, you know, as you were doing the voice, did you ever stop and look around and forget who you are? in that moment and you i think you talked about that earlier i think you talked about like voices are sometimes losing yourself one of the first things i did i there was some suicide documentary and i and i i had to read some guy's note that he left oh. and that was pretty heavy yeah I felt, I felt weird doing it and then when i heard it back it was even more emotional and i recently found it somewhere on youtube and it's I'm not comfortable watching it, but that's a really rare example. Yeah. Everything else I'm pretty much okay with, but that yeah. that did get to me. So okay, well that we can't end on that, you know. <laughs> I mean, we can. I don't care. But uh, but what about happiness? What has there been a role equally that maybe? Well, sure. you know, yeah. Yeah, of course. The anything with Disney, especially Tower of Terror. I mean, I. I walked out of the recording studio. I, I felt like I was in a some weird Disney dream. It just didn't make sense. <laughs> Nobody could believe that, that somebody that grew up so obsessed with Disney would then become the voice of a Disney ride. It yeah. was it was too perfect. Yeah. I sometimes still wonder if it happened. <laughs> what if this is a big hologram? You know, what if what if you we just you wake up right. one day and it's like Oh, that was a that was a fever dream. Yeah. And people just <laughs> people just feel bad and pretend to know what I'm talking. Yeah, it's weird. No, it's not. You did, you know. And but I love that that's so powerful is you know, that is very Disney. Sometimes your dreams come true. And yeah. sometimes that's with your I heart. Say. 
at this happy place called Disneyland. I agree with you on that. I certainly do. Yes. And this has been just a ball of pleasure. Thank you. Hey, would you come back and, and uh, interview again? or and Yeah, you know. Sure, I we loved, I loved having you. This was this was oh, I'm I could go for three more hours and just <laughs> pick your brain and talk, and it's just been a, a just a pleasure for me. And and thank you. I've I've just hearing you talk about voice acting and your wisdom is has been. I'm I'm I'm, I'm my heart is full. I'll just say that. Well, God, thank thanks for telling me that. It was a completely worth it. I had a great time. All of your questions were challenging and interesting. Thank you. I've smiled and, and, and smiled and smiled. And not rehearsed <laughs> at all. Thank you. All right. Hey, Mark, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your website? It's MarkSilvermanVoice.com. I think that's it. Yeah, MarkSilvermanVoice.com. And it's all my different voices, and it's my different background voices. I do a lot of things for movies, just doing radios. And the pitch to Ramirez is a little ground ball over the head of McDermott and inside the right field foul line. And, you know, anytime in a movie somebody puts on a radio, it's not just a regular radio. It's some voice actor pretending to be the radio, you know. So I do a lot of that stuff. And I have that on the website. So I'm excited about that. And it's MarkSilvermanVoice.com. And you can hear my animation tape and all sorts of things. And I have a, a nice promo for Zootopia. And I have a special thing on there where I did a, uh, if 2020 was a Twilight Zone, and I'm very proud of that. <laughs> You'll find it. I love it. I love it. Mark, maybe someday if I get my act together, yeah, we'll, you know, maybe the stars will align and we'll uh, we'll get to work together and have a, a ball. Yeah, you never know about that. But, but until that, that just, just loved having, having you and... What, what a wonderful uh what a wonderful time talking well thank you thank you to everybody and <laughs> gracias <laughs> i love it all right all right we're gonna go out and close it up again we want to thank mark for joining us tonight and we want to thank you all for tuning into another episode of sharing the magic as always please hit that follow button to stay up to date on the latest episodes, and please tell all your friends to tune in wherever they listen to awesome podcasts like this one. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Sharing the Magic Pod. Until next time, keep sharing the magic.